0: Hi and it's Lily here with the Help Yourself podcast and I have the wonderful Angela Trainer back with me today. Angela and I talked a few months back about her journey with disease etc and her two books that she's, one's written and I think one's just been in the process. And when we were uh, talking we touched upon sexual abuse and this is a subject that I have wanted to really discuss out in the open for quite some time as Angela and I both have worked privately with clients and we understand that very often um, a lot of the problems can stem from things that have happened in childhood. It doesn't always have to be sexual, but it can be. So we we said then we'll come back and we'll have a chat about this. So Angela, can I just hand over to you to introduce and to do a bit of a disclaimer and a a kind of warning safety chat, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a psychotherapist. Uh, I run the Harvest Clinic, founded the Harvest Clinic in Glasgow 35 years ago Um, and I've taught my subject here, down south, abroad, in in Portugal, in Malaysia and Singapore. Um, I've lectured on my subject to uh, degree level, MSc degree level. Um, What qualifies me to speak about this subject isn't so much that I've got a degree in psychology and I've worked as a therapist for 35 years, it's uh, that I myself um, experienced childhood sexual abuse in my early life and had to deal with the fallout of that throughout uh, huge chunks of my life and went through therapy. That's what led me to becoming a therapist was that I actually found myself in therapy in my early mid early 20s and consequently having trained as a therapist over the years we ourselves should be in therapy if we're going to be working with other people we should be looking at our own stuff And we should be making sure that our stuff isn't getting in the way of what we're doing with the people we're working with. So, I had to work with my issues over the years. So, I feel that's important to set out at the start that I'm not speaking about it because I've read about it in books. Um, I think if you are going to be dealing with a subject like this, it's important you're in the hands of someone who has been up the mountain and come safely back down the mountain and knows what's involved in climbing the mountain. They've not read a book about mountain climbing eh, or they've attended a lecture or a talk in mountain climbing. So I think it's really important that we're very, very careful about who we speak to about an issue like this. Number two, the disclaimers are that if you are currently, for example, um, new to recovery, or you haven't dealt with any of your own um, abuse, whether that's suspected or otherwise, it might behoove you to consider, is this the right time to be listening to something like this? Because we're in the middle of a pandemic and you may be living at home alone and you may be triggered by things that we're speaking about. Um, we we, We will, without doubt, be knocking scabs off for some people Um, So if you don't have the right support or backup, eh, then I would question whether or not you should be watching this at all. Um, However, if you feel secure enough and stable enough and feel you have enough support or you have enough scaffolding in place, feel free to watch bits and then leave it and come back to it later. Don't immerse yourself in this eh, in a winnie unless you know you're a good, strong swimmer um because just talking about sexual abuse it has to be especially childhood sexual abuse it has to be up there with one of the most yucky icky dark dank subjects that we could possibly look at so it is really important to support yourself so i've got my herbal tea that i'll be supping from i will be probably going and having a shower right after i've already had one but i'll probably go and have a shower after this interview i'll probably go and change my clothes and i'll go for a walk i will clear my energy i will go and eat something nice and wholesome Um i'll either write about or speak about to my husband you know how it felt what it brought up for me um it, it don't underestimate the 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 depth of this subject matter and how it can impact on us and how it can affect us. So really we'd ask people to be very, very careful and uh, what what they're doing with it and that they're not immersing themselves in it and then going prancing around and wondering why they feel triggered or they feel distressed or upset if it's it's brought things up for them. Um, And if that is the case, that would behoove you to get some good, solid,
0: strong support. Mm-hmm. okay that's a that's a very good point and um it is a very very emotive and as you said dark subject and I think if we just talk about the trigger which is a very kind of used word these days which just simply means when you go into your memory you relive emotionally chemically electrically the the reaction the response to whatever happened in the past and this this kind of Remembering, remembering, remembering is a bit like stabbing ourselves over and over and over again in the heart, so that 's why we don 't want to uh, we 're making this disclaimer that if, if you ha- if you are experiencing sexual abuse or if you have then just even the word or seeing the phrase can be enough to make you feel very anxious, and mm-hmm. I can certainly help anyone deal with that if anybody wants to message me after this free of charge i 'm happy to help um, release any of the past energy out around it. Now, the reason that I wanted um, to talk to you, Angela, was, well, a few reasons. I think you're very clear, you're very Scottish, you're very grounded, and you're very experienced. And you also have had your own personal experience. And I think that is key. A bit like when people are recovering heroin addicts, they really want to talk to somebody who has actually been there. um, and Because that, then they can really relate But then there is the time where you have to pull yourself away from that to start to see it not as defining you, but as something that happened in the past and can, you can grow from it. As you say, you um, went into your own therapy and you ended up giving us the Harvest Clinic. Um, If it wasn't the reason, it was certainly one of the reasons. So you turned Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. around. Um, So talk to me first about um, what age did you admit or tell or whatever word because I know they say between 35 and 45 is when most people come out for want of a a better way to put it and they tell their story but that's not always the way it's not an exact science it's just a kind of average what age were you when you felt confident enough or depressed enough to, to share your story
1: Um, I think I had always known there was something um, different about the way that I felt in the world and uh, and so I think I'd always known there was something there that I couldn't quite put my finger on. But I was in therapy at the age of 23 after a very short-lived marriage and uh, a breakdown, or or some would call it a breakthrough. Didn't feel a breakthrough at the time, I can tell you. Um, But looking back, it was a breakthrough. And I uh, was in therapy at that time. And we, we were beginning to touch on that there was something there. But the thing about sexual abuse itself is that the memories need to surface generically. We can't just get rid of them. We can't just tap them away. We can't just um, talk it through over a few sessions of counselling and that's it. It is such a profound profoundly damaging on every level so there's lots of other things that are damaging but it's it's the big one in that it affects us physically it affects us emotionally and it affects us spiritually so if anyone's familiar with the chakra system in the body the first two chakras are shattered by early childhood sexual abuse because your trust in the world especially if it's a primary caregiver you know especially if it's a family member our trust in the world is shattered Mm -hmm. and our trust in other people so our safety and security the first chakra the base root chakra we don't have that connection of feeling that we belong that the world is a safe place that we're welcome here and the trauma and the shame Are blocked and locked into that first chakra, second chakra, up to our connection with the tribe, our communion with other people, our sexuality, our ability to be creative, our ability to um, connect fully with other people. So, so that right from the get go, we have these tremendous uh, challenges in terms of how we feel we fit into the world. So, we have to be very, very careful about how we unpack and it has to be generic and gentle for example i'm a qualified clinical hypnotherapist i do not go about doing archaeological digs with people Mm -hmm. people will phone and say i think he might have been sexually abused can you hypnotize me to find up find out that'll be a no Mm -hmm. no we don't do that we don't go digging we don't go fishing we allow material to percolate up at its own pace, why? The single most dangerous thing that someone, no matter how well-intentioned, no matter how how much they're trying to help, can re-traumatize, a, 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 I would call it a patient, a client, can re-traumatize another human being. They don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're dealing with, and I can't teach anybody in, in an hour. Uh, on a Zoom call, you know, right. how we work with people or the way therapy is structured carefully. I was very lucky, I had a very good um doctor who was my psychotherapist, who I have absolutely no doubt in his mind knew that he was dealing with someone who'd been sexually abused, but I wasn't ready to cope with that then. That could have totally fragmented me and sent me right over the edge. And I think the thing that a lot of well-meaning inexperienced therapists and counselors might not know is that you can be responsible for tipping someone right over the edge so that they don't come back from it mm-hmm. so it's not work for the faint-hearted people have to be grounded and trained in all of the protocols before they, they deal with this stuff and they really have to have the stomach and the the backbone to carry someone through. I've seen quite a few clients over the years who have gone to someone who's thought they could handle it, get in over their head. The client started either they've picked up their drugs again or they've picked up alcohol again or um, they're self-harming now where they weren't before um, and the therapist panics and at the end they want to send them to someone else. So I'd say to anybody that's thinking of embarking on a healing journey, to be careful, to research well, to choose well, and do not think this is a fast fix or a short, you know, a, 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 a few short sessions. I heard people telling me that um, the counsellors, yes, yeah, six sessions for sexual abuse. Oh, just, mm-hmm. just, just rubbish, just nonsense, absolute well,
0: that's, piffle. That's a really good point, and, and that, that, I suppose, in a way, was what led me to create the community last week because I, last year, because it, it doesn't it even take sexual abuse out of it lots of issues one hour a week with somebody if you're really struggling is just simply not enough you need to be immersed in it and a lot of people thought 12 weeks was a long time but we know that 12 weeks is nothing compared Mm. to the healing journeys that a lot of us have been on it's it's a lifetime experience and I suppose initially for people it's just enough to get a little bit of relief Um, and then once you get the relief that's when because it takes courage doesn't it to look at it and as you say Mm. it'll come up in it It'll come up and out in its own time, whether mm. we like it or want it or not. Um, so so I, I actually didn't answer your question when you asked me when. I I,
1: I unpacked a little mm-hmm. that was indicative of something really not right. And it took, I would say, another five, six, seven years as things began to percolate up in my um therapy because I was re, I was retraining as a therapist that things began to bubble up to the surface and percolate up um and I was in my um late 20s early 30s as it began to really uh, I really had to work with it and really had to deal with it um can I ask and thankfully more... I had a very good therapist who was who was capable of doing that with me
0: can I ask you one more thing before it goes out my head. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I was listening to Tim Ferriss. He, I don't know if you know Tim Ferriss, he wrote the four-hour work week, the four-hour body. Anyway, I, right. I love his podcast and he recently, I'm not sure how recently, but did a podcast about himself and his um, abuse when he was younger and he, he discovered it or uncovered it when he was in <laughs> an ayahuasca ceremony. So my question would be, if you blocked it out, can you function normally or that you're functioning normally you know so what's the difference between where you where you don't know consciously and then you do know consciously
1: that uh, I think I think that's this piece of string question Um, sexual abuse is like a continent uh, or a galaxy there are so many different types and d- therefore different approaches of healing that need to be um, implemented. So, for example, you've got everything from incest to sexual assault to rape to ritual abuse to um, familial abuse. You you can't lump it under the one umbrella. You can call it it's a form of sexual abuse, but like you can't. There's lots you, of you different. Can, yeah, you can't say this is what to do and this is what Willie did. So that's what you should do. Um, each each survivor, if you want to call them that, I'm, I'm not really too keen on that term. Each person who has experienced or lived through um, sexual abuse of any sort really needs to address their own uniqueness. So here's something I'm going to say that's going to be a bit controversial. I don't agree with sexual abuse being dealt with in groups. I think it's damaging. I don't think it's helpful. I've never done that, All that happens is I, I, a group... Just re traumatize people, re traumatize each other. anybody that's ever gone to a group where it goes dark and deep really quickly, and and it's like a room full of people who can't swim who're all drowning, mm-hmm. Do you know, and they're all pulling each other under in their attempts to try and help each other out. Now, I am absolutely a, a huge fan and supporter. I've been in marvelous groups over the years for so many different things, but I would say. Be careful who, who you're um, opening this incredible, intimate, vulnerable part of yourself to. And a group situation is not the best place. You need someone who's a strong swimmer with you as you work at it. Now, the thing about one hour a week, actually, actually, with sexual abuse, you need to be really, really careful that it's little and often we, we unpack a bit we have a safe system for containing and we leave it alone for a while we go do our life we go do other things mm-hmm. and we touch it and we move back and we learn how to dip in and out of it so actually if we immerse someone over a long period of time what will happen for some people is they'll become completely re-traumatized and they'll run Mm-hmm. they'll just run they'll leave they'll not come back they won't even know that's why they're doing it actually it's their it's their higher self protecting them and saying mm-hmm. this isn't safe for me here if i do this if i go ahead with this just now in this way i will go under i will drown and mm-hmm. i won't come back so so they run. so actually i'm quite happy with people over the years who have dipped in like i did into therapy and done certain things And I may have had lots of suspicions, but they come to that work at their pace in their time because I can't ever know. And no one else can possibly know what someone else needs to do. But when we see people getting that a horse, a a show jumping competition, just refusing to jump, we have to respect that. We have to honour that and say they're not ready they're not ready yet and they might never be ready there are people who will carry their trauma in their bodies their whole lives because if they did you know and we'll say why why wouldn't she go for help some part of them knows that it might be too much for them and they might not come back from it they might end up in a psychiatric ward
0: yeah well i i met this woman once who had this amazing aura around her and it turned out that her and her two sisters had been abused by their stepdad and she was the youngest and she decided to take him to court this was a long time ago when nobody really did that so because she did she chose she was absolutely and she got a teacher inside and a family friend and um, so the two older her two older sisters were forced um, to support her but that went against their time to tell, mm-hmm. um, which was a really powerful. And it was she told me the story. The, the, the sister told me the story how the the other two sisters got sick. So there's just I, I totally understand it's such a fragile, fragile subject. But also, you know, I also truly believe that you can heal from it, and you're an mm-hmm. example of that. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a level of optimism with it as mm-hmm. well and we have to have, and and also I think we're probably not very good at healing it because we don't really have a facility in the NHS that really understands that and and will support somebody along because they still want to medicate. That may be a wee bit unfair, but in general, the people I know that go to the doctor, it's it's usually medication. So, And also people just didn't want to talk about it. And I I, I recognise now in my life that people are can, can share it easy, more easily without the the whole "I'm to blame, I'm to blame." And there's something they could just say it, whether mm-hmm. subconsciously that's true. But there's definitely a well, I suppose it's the truth. will out um, mm. a shift in consciousness that's allowing people to admit to things that have been kept in mm. the dark. And you know, the, um, I think it was in the holographic universe they 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 discovered that when people tell the truth even if telling the truth means that you will have the death penalty or that you'll be f- forever in jail, the body emanates this enormous energy field relief. So telling the tr- part of telling the right person in the right environment um, can be hugely um, healing itself but then... Well, 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 it, well, it can. Yes, and, but then it, there's the... Because it thrives in secrecy. Sexual
1: mm-hmm. abuse, th- incest, all of these things thrive in secrecy. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's kind of a myth that just by telling you'll feel better. Oh, you no. may well feel better, <laughs> but your family may not be very happy. And the consequence for some people in speaking out and speaking their truth is and it's incredibly common is that they can lose their family because their family won't go there mm-hmm. won't accept that uncle you know uncle we'll call him what make a name uncle uncle tommy um uncle tommy wouldn't he do that and and even if they have evidence uncle tommy did do it and, and would do it the shame is going to impact on the family. Yeah. And so they just won't go there. And what they do often is turn on the truth teller. So again, we need to be really careful about generalisations about, you know, yeah. you, you will feel better if you tell. I think what you did was put in a great qualifier there. Depends who you tell and how you tell and the way
0: that you tell. So, but, and even you know, in that moment, there may be momentary relief from the yeah. telling. And yeah. I've witnessed this myself but then yeah. that's the start of the... I mean it, yeah, it's a I, like I mean women I, going I, to the police about rape, yeah. you, know, it's, it, you know it can make it a million times worse and that's why yeah. I think you know there's so many different ways and and very personal ways some people feel the need to tell a few family members some people just want to do the work on their own without telling anyone so I think that's another really there's no one-size-fits-all in any form of healing so you have to do what feels comfortable and right yes
1: for you. I, I i confronted my abuser as an adult um with support and uh, you know had expectations of how marvelous i would feel afterwards and i i did get involved with the police and the police certainly did say uh, we know he did it you know we know he did it but we don't have enough corroborative evidence to get this through court so it'd be a waste of your time so we need to be prepared for all these things and there is a kind of myth that that they're going to say I'm so sorry it wasn't you it was me and I'm not well and I'll go for help and I'm so sorry but of course they rarely do they'll look you in the eyeball and tell you you're off your head and you're talking rubbish um
0: so you then have
1: to deal yeah 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 then you have to deal with the um fallout of that so you need to all the way down the line think as if you're playing snooker have i got the strength and the energy there is no right way to do this that you should speak out and tell everybody you should go to the authorities and push it all the way through the courts and that you're going to get some satisfaction from all of that you may you may and i'm certainly not suggesting uh, that people shouldn't hold people accountable but you have, to, you have to have thought about the impact that that is going to have on you. So when I work with women who say, I don't want you to go to the police, I don't want you to tell the family, I don't want, I support them in that. I'm not going to push them and force because this is what I did. Bully mm-hmm. really for me, you know, I'm very lucky, I'm very blessed. I had enough support, not total, but I had enough support behind me to hold me up. Mm-hmm. and to carry me uh, through the exhaustion of facing up to this horribly destructive evil behaviour um, and another, looking it in
0: the eye. Another thing just on that, uh, you know, wh- who you're telling, because depending on who you tell, in, if, if it's somebody in the authoritarian system, and I don't mean that in any derogatory way, their, their first thought is, is anyone else in danger? Mm-hmm. so when you're telling it's almost like immediately it's not about you it's about mm-hmm. and that can be mm. um, that's a big responsibility as well mm. so it is there's, there's just it, that I think that's why we really don't want to talk about it and, and discuss it but it's just something I feel we can't address full vitality and health and wellness for every human being if we don't get this out from under the carpet mm. and it's quite incredibly common I yeah. would say I don't know whether I've got some kind of beacon on people like talk to me about it now, but I remember years ago when they said one in 10 have suffered, you know, some kind of ancestral or familial abuse. And I was like, no way and now i'm like oh my god i think it's more than that well you know, they said just... there's different sources so the kind of popular one
1: was around one in seven and then they, they changed it and said actually we think it's closer to one in four if we widen the net about it's not just childhood sexual abuse it's uh-huh. sexual abuse of any sort was around one in four however the number of people who will be involved in self-help groups and um, uh, searching personal development organizations they are bound to have a far higher proportion because people are obviously looking for help for all sorts of different reasons and that may be one of them.
0: And would you think that um, joining a group sort of like AA, I think there's, there's similar groups to that where you can go every week um, But again there's that whole thing about you know, at some point can that make it worse?
1: Can you keep well i think it is a AA does a fantastic job if you have an alcohol problem that's what they're set up for and alan eh, does the same for people who have been affected so um people have been affected by someone else's drinking um and that i'd say is if you don't have a drink problem there's not much point in going to AA. but Al-Anon would be a useful resource if you have been affected by someone else's drinking. And of course, within the family, if there was an abusive uh, parent, uh, then those issues would be quite identifiable and supported within that. But really, it's about all of the effects of uh, how you've been affected by someone else's drinking, not sexual abuse per se. Um, But I I do think uh, with and I, and I know not everyone's gonna agree with me on this, but I've just seen so many casualties who have gone along to um, groups where uh, people, and, and the worst ones are self-help groups, you know, because there's nobody in the room that knows what doing. nobody knows how to swim. And everybody's gonna jump in, dive in, come on, we'll all help each other. And this is when where if you're broken enough, you kinda carry someone else. Do you know you can't carry someone else you need somebody that's got a big strong back to carry someone with a broken back um, so it, it, it's 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 not the best you know it's not the best but Al certainly a useful starting place and all of the unknown groups are yeah. fabulous places for people to work on themselves yeah. and and managing life
0: because I think that is initially, it's really helpful to know you're not the only one, and to be able to talk again to people who understand what you've been through and how you feel about it, and all of that. But then, at some level, it's like we have to move from the victim back into the master and say like, well, where do I go from here? And that's really where, where you want people to be going—that they feel that there's hope, that there's you know possibilities, potentials, and that they can then you know eventually do. Th- what I find a lot is that people that have really healed from intense trauma is they eventually end up healing other people around them because mm. people say, "What were you doing?" You know, and and that's kind of organically how it how it works. We can actually build each and help each other up to either carry it or to let it go. <laughs> mm, mm. And I think you'll carry it, you know, for a little while, and then eventually you, it's a timing thing as well, isn't it? And mm. you know, I spoke to somebody yesterday, and he just said he just like that realized wow i can change this i'm not going to do that what i've been doing for the last few decades so sometimes I i think
1: i think so many of the skills that you and others teach are really helpful in building scaffolding Mm-hmm. you know so like the you know the the, the beneficial effects of a uh, cold water immersion um the, the one that we need to watch a wee bit is meditation for people who suspect or or are recognizing that they are carrying a lot of trauma because just uh, immersing yourself in lots of meditation can bring up Loads of stuff and again we get into this thing we call overwhelm so shame shame is the number one after effect of sexual abuse and that's really the prime mover in what's wrong today is how does that experience from 10 20 30 40 50 years ago impact on me today what triggers it today um what are the circumstances that set me off you know, is it when I don't feel in control? Is mm. it when I am feeling cornered? Is it when I'm feeling overpowered by someone? You know, when we look at our relationships and we look at, you know, I'm a, I'm a complete and utter control freak. I'll put my hands up to that one. <laughs> and, and that's one of the after effects is that I I had to learn how to get control in my life to survive. You know, I was drowning for the first twenty five years. And so when I learned how to get control, look at me, mummy, I'm dancing. Um, I went a wee bit overboard on it for a while. I was like, I'm controlling it. I don't need a man in my life. I don't need anybody in my life. I can do it all by myself. Uh, I'll carry my own messages, thanks. Um, and I would wrestle with the, the, the guy at the supermarket that was wanting to help me out to my camera. I'll oh, leave it. I can get it myself. So it's a daft example of it's a, good one, a very though. common <laughs> phenomena that... Um, we 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 we're carrying the after effects and uh, you know no one else is gonna um, no one else is going to invade me again in any way shape or form no one's going to tell me what to do no first minister no government no anybody is ever gonna tell me anything again <laughs> and of course that you're living in the past if 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 you have a problem it's been telled you know, and sometimes uh, giving up control to someone else and saying, maybe you know more about this than I do. Um, and maybe I need to defer to your wisdom or knowledge or whatever it is. But when we need that tight control, these are all things that, that point the way. We call it the affect bridge regression, where we're looking at fundamentally what we want to do is to repair your life today. We can't change what happened back then. And as my, one of my teachers, Carolyn May, says, with um, trauma and abuse, uh, early stuff, what we want to be doing is using therapy as a boat in a river to get to the other side. What a lot of people do is they get on the boat to go to the other side, they don't get off. No. They come back on the boat to the side they started in and they spend their lives on the river going back and forth and nobody actually says, get off the boat now. you've arrived at the other side it's time to move on so telling the story is vital is crucial my job is to be a soul friend a witness to that person's journey and experience they need to tell the story and we don't need all of the story we just need enough of the bits of the story for them to get this is why i am the way i am and this is how it's impacting on my life today Mm -hmm. and then we need we may allow them to tell edited i don't want to say highlights lowlights of the story that need a bit of exploration that Mm -hmm. need a bit of um the part of of us that was damaged so badly or left so terrified and alone needs to be connected with and rescued and brought out into the present so here we're talking about inner child work needs to be gently. Now that child will not trust you because you you will no doubt have learned other coping strategies that are not useful. So some of my survival strategies in my early 20s and 30s and and, and so what, what was around um, numbing out, you know, whether that was alcohol or cigarettes or whether that was shopping or busyness or or over talking or rumination in all the different ways for other people it might be gambling or spending or illegal drugs i was just i was a bit too fear of to them thank god because i don't think i'd have survived them i did like them a lot <laughs> um i didn't do the illegal stuff but i certainly uh, could use legal drugs i could use painkillers um and and excuse that as a headache or a sore back or whatever so You know, a lot of these strategies that we'll have developed are are fabulous survival strategies at the time. I'm still here, Mm -hmm. yeah? It worked, but they're not good in the long term. So we're looking at helping people to unpack those survival strategies that are not working for them anymore. So just keeping men out of your life. Mm. That's can a I, useful survival strategy for someone that's been raped or sexually abused, yeah. but it may not be
0: working for them today. I know well that that's that's I, I just wanted to say I think that we've been talking about childhood sexual abuse, but clearly there's a lot of teenage, you know, mm. all the other as you get older as well, where the memories are not hidden. <laughs> mm. The memories are there. And what would you say there's a difference? Do you see a difference in how people can manage? If it's not been put in so before you were eight, seven or eight years old, is it easier? Is it harder? Is it the same? Does it just depend?
1: I don't think I can answer that. I don't know is the answer to that one. Again, I'm going to say every individual is unique. Mm-hmm. How it was managed and dealt with at the time, you know, it did was there anyone there offering support? Were people turning a blind eye? Mm-hmm. Did people know and did nothing? Mm-hmm were you sacrificed by people who did know Mm -hmm. and who were so sick and damaged themselves so we look at often we'll find generational abuse in families where on some level it's just kind of there in the background and nobody talks about it and nobody goes there all of these things will make a difference thankfully hopefully today children Are more likely to tell. We're not quite there yet. No. But some children are trained at an early age to say, bad man, that bad man said that, that bad man did that, you know, Mm -hmm. and and they will shout, they'll scream, they'll yell. Mm -hmm. And you know, when that happens, those kids tend to fear much better than the ones that haven't a clue how to deal with something that is inherently wrong. And they know it because you know one of the things that happens is that we we move the child moves from um i feel bad to i am bad Mm -hmm. this was a bad thing that happened i feel bad and of course if it might not have might not have felt bad as a young child if someone's tickling you Mm -hmm. and someone's giving you a lot of attention and someone's grooming you Mm -hmm. um but then when the child goes on and reaches puberty and then begins to recognize oh shit that was not okay what Mm -hmm. you know mr so-and-so the neighbor did or uh, mr so-and-so the teacher in the school Um, and let's not forget women sexually abuse children too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we we need to not ignore that when that's the big taboo is that mothers don't abuse and that uh, aunties don't abuse and that teachers who are female don't abuse That's that you know, we we need to really pull the curtains back on this and say, This is going on right now Mm -hmm. in an area that you're in with children, and it's not just it's you know, this myth that it's happening in the schemes where the dysfunctional families live, it's happening in the homes of doctors and lawyers and judges. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going on
0: it knows
1: right now. It -hmm. knows no class.
0: And how, um you know, I've got a granddaughter who's i think, got grandsons as well, but I think the conscious mind tends to think about how to keep the young ones safe and how to without terrifying them mm-hmm. from you know just general play and nonsense, how to you know mm-hmm. it, to get, is that to help them understand but not to terrify them of other people because it's that fine balance, isn't it you're yeah, like mm-hmm. well. If they touch you, if a man touches you, it's like, oh my God, you know, that you don't want to go down that road. You can swing it mm-hmm. so far the other way that men mm-hmm. just don't want even to be men around children. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a real, it's a, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? It's very difficult. It's it is it, a boundary issue. And of course, yes. that's
1: one of the, the after effects of any kind of abuse or invasion is that your boundaries get busted like I was talking about earlier on those first two chakras our boundaries get busted our protection mechanisms get busted and um, our boundaries tend to be pretty rubbish so you know some of the side effects will be uh, total inappropriate boundaries want to heal the world want to cure the world Um, want to solve everyone else's problems eyes on stocks. I need to save out there because Really, what we're trying to do is save the wee person in here, but we don't know how to do that because we haven't connected with that part inside. So we're, we're, we're out there trying to... One of the major reasons that people come into training as the therapists, I've been teaching them and, and I identify with this myself um, for 34, 33, 34 years is that they, 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 they don't recognise that they're the ones that need the help. Mm-hmm. They're training to try and save themselves, but they're doing it out there. And, um, you know, most of us came into it from that angle, but we thought we would have been very altruistic. We wanted to help the world and heal the world. And if we don't turn that around and, and apply that uh, to ourselves, we're going to get into all sorts of messes because we're going to be wanting people to do things on our behalf, to heal on our behalf, rather than allow them to go at their uh-huh. pace. And we will see our issues in them. Um, we'll, we'll project transmit our needs and issues on Mm -hmm. to people out there so it's very very important that we 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 as therapists recognize why we're attracted to doing the job that we do and and we own our own stuff and let people go at their own stage and pace Um, but yeah uh, the, the, the the there are also i think it's worth saying there are blessings it might seem like there aren't Um, so I was talking about the eyes on stocks you know that if you're a child in a home where there's a lot of dysfunctional behaviour going on and there's a a dependency for this sexual abuse thing to be around whether you're a witness to it, I've seen a lot of damage done to Mm -hmm. people who didn't actually experience anything themselves but someone in the family was the sacrificial lamb and they knew about it and they saw it um, or they knew it was going on that can be really damaging for people so we you know we'll develop and this isn't just about sexual abuse this is trauma dysfunction of any sort in childhood the child will often develop uh, antennae you know um that's you know that's the door the key in the door that's dad or mum coming home oh god what's going to happen now um, need to be good uh, heightened alertness fight or flight um, adrenaline, cortisol running through their wee bodies uh, because they don't know, has daddy been to the pub? Uh, is daddy drunk? Or is daddy just had a couple? Um, is he going to come in and throw mum around the room? Is he going to throw plates through the window? Do, should they just go and hide in the room? Should they try and talk him out of his mood? Or are they more likely to get punched that way? Um, so that we, young people develop these antennae for uh, situations and things and events and people outside of themselves so i talk about it as eyes on stalks they really got they really do have a third eye you know and it's on a stock and it, they go through their lives reading people reading faces reading signals mm. and they develop this finely attuned acuity And in a strange and curious way, sometimes that can mean that if they do their own work, they end up good therapists because they do spot stuff and they do pick stuff up. But of course, they've always got to know they could be wrong and they've got to Uh go at the pace of the other person. So they need the skills for that. Mm -hmm. But one of the, if you like, blessings of the uh, traumatic and dysfunctional backgrounds is we often, not everyone, but many of us will develop tremendous reservoirs of empathy uh tremendous skills of compassion, um, tremendous skills at at knowing stuff, intuition, um, being able to read faces, being able to read situations. The trouble is when we get into loving too much or caring too much because our boundaries are usually pretty short. So we need to learn and they can be easily learned how to have good boundaries this is where i end and you start and that's your business and this is my business mm-hmm. and i don't need to take over your life and i don't need to um sell myself to you and i don't need to buy you or win you over um, that yeah, we have yeah. we learn that sense of boundaries that were shattered and broken in childhood
0: yeah, I think that's one thing that I noticed, and I think any mother as well, you know, we're all here, souls, to have a journey and nobody really knows what that journey is meant to be. So that's, I suppose, how I detach, you know, I see death in a different way. I don't have any fear of that. So much as I can feel grief and pain when somebody leaves, I also understand that they're probably having quite a nice time wherever they are. So the, and you know exactly it's, for me it's much more about the suffering alleviating the suffering while we're here rather mm. than trying to stop a process a natural process that we have zero control over but as if we can help people live with or without the past then uh, it's you know that's the only thing it's just that whole uh, right okay now i now i'm i can connect And as you say, empathy, compassion, um, for other people's stories. Because, and I think Mm. particularly of children, I remember my friend said to me, all children's behavior is a form of communication. Mm. And I actually had a great chat with him a few weeks ago and he said, you know, the more he's working with troubled teenagers, they're playing out and see when you get back down to it, guess what's there. And, you know, I really think, thanks to Johan Harry and his incredible work, um, chasing the scream and his other books say where we realize now when people are behaving dysfunctionally there's a usually a very very good reason for it so if that allows us to just think well you know you don't know what's going on for them I think we putting them in a jail or a prison <laughs> it's yeah. not really going to help and I think also for men to understand that because um, I think the me too movement again it's like you know somebody putting their hand in my shoulder I wouldn't bat an eyelid about. But for some other women, that might feel really invasive, you know. So again, it's like men don't really know where the hell they are, where they're at. So, Mm. you know, we can be in danger of, you know, causing more separation and divide instead of just being able to say, look, don't do that. (laughs) Go (laughs) to no do that. (laughs) And that's, again, the boundary, you know. I mean, obviously that's a very mild scenario. Um, And sometimes that's possible. Other times, you know, go to no do that's not going to work. But I think there's, a, there's such a spectrum of behavior from complex mm. beings um, that some people perceive it one way and others perceive it another way. Mm. But if you're carrying that fear from the past, then and that, that trauma and that betrayal, and mm. then ultimately the shame and the guilt and the disconnection, then mm. everything that happens today is going to see, feel different for somebody who has not had these experiences and quite in con- control and grounded and feels safe. In this place so ultimately Mm -hmm. i suppose it's how we can really just get people to feel safe again Mm.
1: well i I think there's a couple of things in there is is another thing we haven't touched on is how we learn to dissociate when we've experienced sexual abuse uh, uh, of any sort Uh, Mm -hmm. to survive it we often had to dissociate so you know uh, people will often say you know I don't remember everything I remember this bit of that but I get a glimpse of and I would always reassure people you do not need to remember every bit of it you live through it okay you only need to remember enough for whatever the purposes are that you need you know so yes if you're going to go to court you probably need to remember a, a significant amount of it to be able to give as much evidence as you can but if you're not planning and doing that once you've got it that this happened that'll do there is no value in reliving it for its own sake you lived through it you just need to have enough to acknowledge yes this happened to me Mm -hmm. um and and you know and and some people will will not some people all people will dissociate to survive these experiences because the body and the mind can take so much and then we just, poof, out of the body and we're not there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know I have huge gaps in memory and I know what happened before and after, but uh, yeah, I just guess the bit in the middle, my, my soul is protecting me by saying, you don't really need to know all that. <laughs> There's no really any value in that for you. Um, so we learn to dissociate. And that's great because that's a really good safety mechanism. When things get too much, is to be able to yeah. uh, split off and, and take off until it's over. But because we learn it so well, sometimes we, not sometimes often we're carrying that into our lives. So you know we'll have we may have dissociative disorders like eating uh, disorders, or you know that thing of who who spent that five hundred pound on the credit card, um, who was it that ate the box? Of, the three boxes of chocolates it wasn't me i wasn't i didn't i was on a diet i didn't want to do that so we can still be dissociating as an adult and allowing this troubled part to when we get tired or we'll use the AE method when we get hungry angry lonely tired or stressed Mm -hmm. halts h-a-l-t-s hungry angry lonely tired stressed we will be overtaken. You know, we'll we'll dissociate again. We'll take Mm -hmm. off. The sensible meal, go and bingo, out comes the wounded uh, child who just says, Mm -hmm. yes! Uh, You know, there's three boxes, uh, three selection boxes in that cupboard and wham, we're into it. So we may have dissociative uh, disorders going on in our lives um, that don't serve us. Um, So dissociation is often a very, And and people might have noticed that if they're listening to this talk, that they've dissociated, that they'll listen for a while and then they'll take off. And you see clients doing that. They'll be talking to you and you'll just see them looking right through you. And what we need to do then is stop, rewind and ground and know that we're getting to a bit of the tipping point. We don't push ahead and steam ahead because we're risking overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So when we dissociate, it's usually because we're overwhelmed and that's when we need to teach skills of resilience. We need to teach resources. We might even need to teach problem solving mm-hmm. for um, the way forward of... It doesn't matter what overwhelms Mrs. Smith down the street. What matters is, what is your tipping point? Where, what are the signs and signals that tell you you're mm-hmm. getting overwhelmed? And when you start zoning out, you know that's a part of you saying enough. Ah. <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: exactly. The straw that breaks a camel's back. I say it, it's just always the biggest analogy ever. It's just like and it's usually something small, but it's just that one thing that's helped to just topple you over the edge. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we could obviously chat about this for a long, long time, but um thank you so much for all that invaluable information and insight. And you you can see people, can't you still? You're, are you still uh, I'm doing some online work uh
1: here from the house and I'm seeing a few people. I'm not um I'm not going to be going back to full time. Uh-huh. Um I'm doing a few people face to face as long as we're allowed to in uh-huh. the cabin or in the conservatory because they have separate entrances from outside so people can just come in a door straight into a chair. And uh-huh. we can have ventilation and they can go. So I'm doing that from the house, uh, which is in the countryside outside Kondora. But what I would love to say, Lilia, before I go is, mm-hmm. I don't want people to think that um, this is so complicated and hard that um, they're not going to be able to do it. Yes. Uh, that, not, not only can you heal from this, you are almost blessed with a sacred wound, Um and that you can come back stronger than ever Mm -hmm. but you just need to reach out and 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 work through it Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not a quick fix by any manner of means but it can be done and also you might be much further along the road than you realize and it might not take nearly as long but when we are working with someone um it is a privilege we're standing on holy ground when we soul witness each other so even if you're watching this video because you know someone it might not be you but you know someone you have a friend or a family member who's gone or going through healing from this what can you do all you need to do is stand with them is to see them you don't need to offer solutions you don't need to to tell them what you do all you need to do is be there with them on the journey be the soul witness be the soul friend and walk beside them. You don't need to lead, their system knows what they need to do in the light of the things that I've touched on.
0: Yeah, and that's brilliant. Thanks for that beautiful way to end. Because again, it's uh, uh, Johan Harry yesterday was saying, you know, that it used to be, I can't remember how many years ago, but people would say to the question, who do you, who really knows you? And they would say four or five people. And now some people are saying nobody because we're not taking the time to listen. Mm. And we have to pay somebody often to listen to us. So, being that friend, as you say, just allowing that flow and holding that sacred space, knowing that that in itself is healing, mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time. Thank it's you. magic to see you as always. Um, very Thank practical, you. clear advice. And um, so, people can contact you. That was my point. If they feel that they would need Yeah, something.
1: if I'm, I am. I, um obviously uh, at the moment i'm pretty snowed under but i certainly can refer people on oh, uh, uh-huh, if, fantastic if, you know there's a way to do that if yes. somebody's needing help
0: brilliant uh, if oh. i
1: can well what i mean is if i can uh-huh. and, and that would be pretty likely um if,
0: if people need seen quickly uh, uh-huh. but i can certainly refer them on to others You've got other trustworthy people yeah fantastic okay well thanks a million That's all from us. We hope you enjoyed and got something from that. Huge love as always. Ciao, ciao.